0: Thank you for tuning in to the Calvary Monterey Podcast. Today we have a special message from our 2022 Women's Conference with guest speaker Sharon Thomas. Please enjoy. It's a narrow passageway right here. We have to, <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Did you catch that like narrow passageway? Okay. I don't make many jokes, but every now and then. <laughs> so, All right, guys, so. Goodness, time has just flown by, right? It seems like we just came together last night, and here we are in this last session. And I know it's a lot to take in. Even Christina last night, last night, she said, like, it's like a fire hose. Yeah, and it is, but you know that flow just keeps flowing. You've got this word, and you can keep coming back to it. So the more we dig in to the Sermon on the Mount, the deeper we find that Jesus goes into our hearts. And he goes into our lives in the ways that sin has had its way. But Jesus has so much better for us. He has more. More. And that's what he's going to share with us in our time together now. And I want to note this. You probably already figured this out. But just in case, uh, we're not going to finish this whole sermon um, this weekend, right? There is a whole lot here. Knowing the time we had, I just really sought the Lord to say, what do you want to highlight? But there is so much more. So I hope that um, the Lord has spoken to you. I I pray that every one of us here have heard his voice and his words have been life-giving and rich to you. My prayer has been that he's going to speak in your heart language in a way that you understand and that you know he's speaking to you. But I want to encourage you, long after this conference is over, Get in the secret place with God and give him your ear to this sermon because it's so, so rich. I've been doing that all year long, and every day he's continuing to show me more. I'm like, how can there be more? And there actually is. And if you want some help studying this sermon more, I want to invite you to be a part of an online study that Established Footsteps, the ministry that I come from, is going to be offering in the new year. It's going to focus on these three chapters. And if you want more information about that, just make sure you subscribe to our mailing list on establishedfootsteps.com. The study is called 23 Strong for the year 23. It's about being strong women in the year 23. And as we get closer to the new year, as you're subscribed to our mailing list, or if you got that QR code from last night where you can get to our other links, you'll hear us start to talk about that study and how you can become a part of it. We offer all of our studies free of charge, and we love for people to join in and just we want to cheer you on and being in God's Word. So, encourage you to do that, and um, we would love to have you be a part of it. So, saying yes to God's more. Jesus has more for us in his kingdom. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? And do we live in that more? You know, as we ponder that, I want to ask you to think about another question as well. And that would be Have you ever gotten an invitation that seemed too good to be true? We probably all have, right? Especially these days with all the ridiculous marketing scams going on around. You know, we get phone calls. We get emails all the time. We see all these images on social media that invite us into things. And we're like, there is no way it could be that good, right? Yep. No way this promise could deliver. And if you've ever been lured in, right? And then you found out that what was promised really couldn't be met. It's disappointing, isn't it? And because of that we can start to develop a cynical kind of attitude about things that do seem too good to be true. And I get that because I've definitely had my share of disappointments too. So how does all of that relate to Matthew 6? Well, as we listen in to what Jesus is saying here, his words can also sound too good to be true here. But you know what? What? They are true. They really are. And they touch a place in us, the ones that we're going to look at right now in this last session. They touch a place in us that so many of us struggle, some maybe even in a really big way. See, listen to what he says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, and this is a longer section, so just, just lean in and listen in. Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory didn't clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is going to be thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Verse 31. Do not be anxious then, saying... What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Now, let's jump over. That's enough, right? We could say amen and be done, but we're not. All right, let's jump over to verse 7 of chapter 7 and listen in here too. He says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask him for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? And then he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. Ladies, there is so much truth right there to just literally light up our lives in these words from Jesus. See, do you remember what Jesus said earlier this morning about having clear eyes? He said the lamp of the body is what? The, the eye. And if your eyes are clear, your whole body's going to be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Do you know he said those words right before he said all the words that I just read to you? So it's pretty obvious that he sees that the ways that we're viewing life and our Heavenly Father are not clear, which reveals why so many of us are living in the darkness of anxiousness, even when God has so much more for us. So Jesus wants to clear out our eyes this morning so we can truly believe his kingdom invitation into more is really true. It's for real. He really can deliver. Will we say, yes, Jesus, clear my eyes. I want to see. I want to see. Will we say, yes, Jesus, I want to see your more. I want to live in it. I hope we will. So let's look closer at this. And we're going to find that Jesus wants to clear our eyes in two ways this morning. First of all, he wants us to see that life Is more. And secondly, God's heart toward us is much more. Okay? So let's start with life is more first. We're gonna find this in verse 25. Let me share that verse with you again. Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than clothing, more than food, more than drink, all of these things? You know, Jesus couldn't be more clear that life is more than these very basic things. But you know what, ladies, in our minds, we often do define life by very basic things. And I would say there are more basics than just these three that he mentions right here. I mean, today in our time, we could even add in things like our job or our car, our house, you know, those basic things of life. And his point is that life is more than you tend to think that it is. See, in the kingdom, life is defined by the fullness of God himself. And there's no end to the goodness of God, no end to the righteousness, peace, and joy, to the blessings that flow in the kingdom of God. That's life. So since there's no end, God's kingdom life expressed in us and through us can be so vast and so creative, we really can struggle to even have words to define the life that he has for us. In fact, the Bible says it's more than we could even ask, imagine, or think, right? But even though we can't define the life in the kingdom, I think what Jesus is trying to do here is to clear our eyes so we can at least have hope for it, so that we can at least vision and dream about the kingdom. But so many of our eyes are not clear, and we just settle into defining life by the very basic things of what am I going to eat today? What am I going to drink? What am I going to put on? Where am I going to work? What am I going to drive? Where am I going to live? All these things. And when we live life that way, we view life that way, our eyes have become darkened in their understanding of what life really is. And Jesus told us what happens when our eyes are dark. He said, darkness affects your whole life. And the specific darkness that he really zooms in on in this conversation is the darkness of anxiousness. And I know that many people struggle with anxiousness. I certainly have. With anxiety. I certainly have. Probably all of us have in some way. And it's not a new thing. The world would even tell us today it's this new thing that so many people are struggling with more than they ever had before. You know what? If it was a new thing today, Jesus wouldn't have been talking about it way back then. It's not a new thing. Okay. It's not a new thing. And Jesus, the King of kings, the ancient of days, has an answer for our anxiousness. So it's important for all of us to see, how do we even get here? Have you ever said, how did I end up here? Like, how did I get to this dark place? Understanding verse 25 and other parts of Scripture can help to understand that, to illumine our minds. See, it starts with understanding I was created, you were created with a capacity to live in the fullness of life that God designed for us to live in. So we were created with a big desire for a lot in our hearts, for that fullness of life. And yet we live in a broken world where the fullness of God is definitely lacking, right? I mean, his, his glory fills the earth, but because of the brokenness, we have a hard time seeing it and finding it a lot of times, right? So it's only reasonable to think that there's going to be a great desire in my heart and in your heart for something more. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe even ever said, there's got to be more to life than this, right? We, we, we sense that sometimes. It becomes such an agitation in our hearts that there's got to be more. And you know what? That's a very true statement because there is more to life than all these basic things. But when our eyes have become darkened in their definition of what life is, We pervert that God-given desire on the inside of us for more by reaching to all these basic things as if they are the source of more. And that's how the darkness of anxiousness first takes root, I believe, and then it just begins to grow and then take over our lives. We were created with a fullness of life, living in that. So there is a God-given desire on the inside of us for more. And yet when our eyes have become darkened to think that the substance of life is found in food and drink and clothing and houses and cars and jobs, we naturally begin to look to those things to provide the more we're longing for. And they cannot give it. We think in order to be happy, right, in order to be blessed, I need to get more of all this stuff. I need to get more quantity of these things. I need to get more quality of these things. I need to get quintessentially more of them in any way I can. More, more, more. And that pursuit of striving for more, that alone can leave you in a place of anxiousness, which is definitely part of the problem. But beyond that, what really creates the anxiousness is this. All these basic things are not the substance Of life, So they are not going to be able to provide that more you're longing for. They're going to continually leave you longing. And it just is this perpetual cycle of anxiousness in our hearts that only gets worse unless we let the truth clear our eyes and Jesus rescue us out of it. Those things are incapable of the more we long for because they are not life. They are the things we use in this life. They're necessary for day-to-day life function, but life is not defined by these things. And when we think they are, and when we act as if they are, we're going to dwell in a dark place called anxiousness. And how many of us know, by personal experience, anxiousness is a very dark place, a dark place that affects your whole being. That's why Jesus said, is not life more than all these things? He wants to open our eyes, clear our eyes out, wash them with pressure washer if he has to, to see that life is more. And now that we've heard him, I pray that that cleansing is taking place. We're going to see that the Lord is going to also speak something else really powerful into our hearts. But we have to know that we've got to stay in that place of cleansing. Because as we live in this world, you might get cleansed in your eyes today, but then tomorrow you wake up thinking that your job is going to give you what you need, right? That it's going to be your life or that this relationship or or this house or this thing, whatever, that it's going to give you the substance of life. We need to every day be saying, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, today, clear my eyes, clear my eyes. I want to see that life is more. Because living in this world, you will cle- quickly get a darkened view. So I pray that it's starting to take place in our eyes and probably has before. And you just needed a fresh cleansing today like I do every day as well. But as we start to see that life life is more, then it just even gets better because God begins to speak to us about his heart is much more. See, these two thoughts really go together. Life is more, and our Heavenly Father, who is the source of life, is the source of more. And his heart toward us is even greater than that. It is what? It's much more, all right? There's this continual theme of much more that runs through the words of Jesus here. You've probably heard them even as we were reading them earlier. I tried to emphasize them. See, every time he uses these two words together, it's to describe our Father in heaven, our Father's heart toward us, our Father's actions towards us, our Father's provisions towards us. Really, this theme of much more, it runs all through the Sermon on the Mount, but in this specific section of the Sermon on the Mount, this is where he just really goes into great detail about the the great um, much more that God has for us. And he does it with so much compassion. You can hear the compassion in Jesus' voice because he looks at us. Remember, he sees us. And he sees us in this anxious place and he wants to rescue us out of it. We don't have to live like this. There is an invitation that sounds too good to be true, but it really is true. So listen again with me to Jesus' words starting in chapter 6. In verse 26, And talking about our father's care for us as compared to the way he cares for the birds. Jesus says, are you not worth much more than they, right? There's those two words. Verse 30, he talks about how God cares for the flowers of the field. And he says, will he not much more do so for you? And then in chapter 7, verse 11, he was talking about how we as people who sometimes don't have pure motives, we know how to give good gifts to our children. He says, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? So let's start with that one right there, and then we'll work our way backwards into chapter 6 through each of these three much more statements. So first of all, our Father's provisions. See, right there in chapter 7, Starting in verse 7, we're told to do three things. We're told to ask, to seek, and to knock. And then Jesus says, you will receive, you'll find, and you'll have the door open. And then he starts having this conversation about children. And he, he gives the example. He says, if your son came to you and asked you for a loaf of bread, would you give him a rock? Or if he asked you for a fish, uh, would you give him a snake? Right? He says, if you then, being evil, our, our motives are not always pure towards our children. We, we like to think they are, but they're, they're not, right? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I love my children. I mean, I, I have two adult children and now a daughter-in-law as well. I love them. But, you know, I'm, my heart is not always pure. But he says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father who is in heaven, who is perfect, know how to give? What is good to those who ask him? You know what, ladies, a lot of us are anxious because we don't really believe that. Because we haven't said yes, that's true. And therefore, we don't live in the much more of his provisions. Instead, we live in anxiousness wondering, how am I ever going to get what I need? It's up to me to provide it. And maybe that's because our eyes have been darkened by images of a parent who did give us a rock. When we ask for bread. See it's so easy. To let our personal experiences in this broken world. Define how we view God. But our eyes have to be cleansed. With these words. How much more shall your father in heaven. Not your father here on this earth. Not your mother. Not your caretaker. Not whoever. But your father who is in heaven. How much more shall he. Give what is good. To those who ask him. His provisions for us. Are so much more. And what about his actions towards us? I mean, maybe he'll give us what we need, maybe even more than we need sometimes, but will he actually do for us? Like, will he act for us personally? Will he act on behalf of things that matter in our hearts? I believe he will. I really do, because of what Jesus says. See, Jesus used a picture of flowers moving back into chapter 6, starting in verse 28. He said, why are you anxious about clothing? Have any of you ever been anxious about what you're going to wear? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but he asked that question as if it doesn't even make sense to be, and, and really, it doesn't. Because listen to what he goes on to say about the beautiful flowers in the field. He says, observe how the flowers of the lilies, he says, of the field grow. And he points out They didn't do anything to become beautiful. They didn't toil or spin. And I love how he phrases this next part. He says, yet I say to you. Does that sound familiar? Back from chapter 5, his voice, he's speaking. This is what you've heard. This is what you think. But I say to you. And he says, yet I say to you that even Solomon Solomon was a king in the Old Testament who was clothed with riches and a beautiful, beautiful life. He said, even Solomon in all his glory didn't clothe himself like one of these flowers. And he says, if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow. In other words, it really doesn't have a whole lot of purpose, right? But God does it. He, he does that. He says, will he not what? Much more do so for you, O man of little faith. And ladies, that's where it starts, with our faith with our faith. Faith to see who our Heavenly Father is by what Jesus said, to believe it. Faith to believe that his heart toward us is so big. Faith to believe that he cares about the things that we care about in our hearts, the personal interests in our lives. And because he does care so much, he will act on behalf of us in ways so much more than we could even think about. Faith will cause you to say yes I believe that about you, God, and I trust you. It sounds too good to be true, but ladies, it is true. You know, over the years, I've heard a lot of people teach this section of Scripture from a standpoint of clothes don't matter. So don't even worry about them. Don't even worry about what you put on. Clothes don't even matter. And there's even some of the paraphrases of Scripture that are newer out there that kind of present it that way. I don't personally see that as accurate to the conversation that Jesus is having. I think it runs way, way deeper than that because people do care about how they look. They do care about what they're clothed in, what their lives are clothed in, and I believe God does too. See, there's something inside of every one of us that longs to be beautiful, for our life to be beautiful, for our life to be appealing and, and attractive. And in the brokenness of this life, We might act like we don't care about that, we might act like it doesn't matter, but if you get down deep enough into the nitty gritty of people's hearts, you find it matters to everyone. There's that desire on the inside of us. See, God created us as light in the world, and light is beautiful, right? And we read of God all through Scripture, clothing people throughout the Bible in beautiful ways, taking the time and attention to do that. And even greater still, the Bible talks about how God beautifully clothes us in garments of salvation. So it's not that clothes just don't matter. I think that's too easy of an answer here. It's really that the longing in our hearts to be beautiful does matter. It matters to Him. And see, our eyes are not clear. Because we start looking to the wrong things as the source of beauty in this life. And we start striving and straining and anxious to ha- anxiousness to have a beautiful life. Jesus is saying here, I see your heart. I see the desires in your heart and I care about them. I made you to shine with a beauty far beyond what you could imagine. If I care about doing that for flowers in the field, will I not much more care about doing it for you who have my image on you? I created you in my image. Don't you think I care about your beauty? And he's powerful enough to make our lives beautiful. The things on the inside, the things on the outside, even the grass of the field that's here today and gone tomorrow. Kingdom living means that you say yes to trusting your life, the beauty of your life and your appearance to God. Flowers don't toil and spin. And we don't have to either. In fact, we can't make our lives beautiful. God says, I'm the only one who can clothe you in garments of salvation. And ladies, you can cover the outside in the most beautiful, the most riches of clothes. But if you're garments of salvation are not beautiful on the inside none of that's going to matter because all of that is going to go away it's not going to last it's a beauty from the inside out that god gives us he gives us more we might just want to have that beautiful hair or that beautiful skin or what all the other things are you know we we all get on a journey with that as women and that could be a whole conference in and of itself right (laughs) for sure for sure and i got my stories too but really, it's that beauty that starts from the inside. But it doesn't mean that the outside doesn't matter. Or that the things of your life, because I don't think Jesus is just talking about a beauty of physical appearance. I think he's talking about the beauty of your life as a whole. Not long ago, my husband and I, we were coming out of a store. We had been out doing some errands and things. And, and we came out of this store, and, and I saw this grandmother just like wailing on the backside of this her little grandson in the parking lot. She was screaming at him. He was crying. She was yelling. I mean, it was just a horrible scene. And it it bothered me in, in a lot of ways. I'll just say that. But there was one thing that she just kept saying and screaming at him over and over again that really just pierced my heart. She kept saying, you have nothing to be crying about. And all I could think about was, yes, he does. Yes, he does. You're beating him in public. You are humiliating him. You are screaming at him like he's an animal. And on top of that, you probably didn't stop long enough to listen to what he was upset about in the first place when all this started. Because how many of us know he probably was in the store and he started misbehaving, right? I mean, kids can push our last button. We all know that, right? And and I can tell you, I was certainly not the perfect parent. And if I don't tell you that, my kids could tell you that for sure. But the point is, all of us probably have images in our minds of of times that somebody didn't care for our hearts, right? Whether it was a grandparent, a teacher, a a spouse. Someone's actions towards us were not well-intentioned, right? And that in their own selfishness, they didn't care at all how we looked to the public, to the world. And when we've experienced that enough times, whether as a little person or a big person or lots of times in between, we can easily just close off our heart to thinking that it could ever be different for us. We can easily stop trusting that anyone's intentions toward us could ever be generous and kind and really care about what matters to us. And then we start to live as if we're just better off caring for ourselves, making our own life beautiful Doing for ourselves. But ladies, that's not the way life is lived in the kingdom. It doesn't work like that. Living like that is a constant wrestle, and we weren't designed to wrestle. We were designed to rest, to meekly trust God. And deep inside of all of us, we all long for someone to care for us. And I believe as women, even more. We long for somebody to care about what's in our hearts and to do something about what's in our hearts. The things that matter to us, the things that we would see as beautiful. Remember Jesus' words, Blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle, the ones who lean into gently trusting Him. They will inherit the earth, the beauty of the earth. That's how God designed for us to live in the kingdom, trusting him. Meek people are not weak people. They are faith-filled people who've learned how to gently rest in the much more care of their heavenly father. They don't wrestle in anxiousness. They rest. They rest in the much more care that God will do for them. The inheritance of the earth, the beautiful life they long for. See, our God does not care for us like that grandmother, but he cares for us with a tender heart. So let's look at our father's heart because we do long to be cared for tenderly and protectively. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air, right? This is right here in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't toil. They don't gather into barns. They don't reap. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth? He's speaking to the worth here, worth much more than they. And ladies, that's just it. We need to hear those words of Jesus and say, yes, yes, I am. I am worth so much more to God, and he cares for me like a tender father. He gives me what I need. He acts on my behalf. If we can just see how much more he cares... Let it cleanse our eyes today from that anxiousness, to being flooded with the much more light of how much he cares and how much he will do and how much he will provide. That's what kingdom living looks like with our Father, living in a much more provision, a rich kingdom. Anxiousness doesn't have a place there. See, I can almost hear the pleading in Jesus' voice. I know he's pleaded with me before because he loves us so much. He sees our darkened eyes. He sees the anxiousness as we try to provide for ourselves and beautify our lives and care for ourselves. And he says something right here that's so important that we're going to look at as well. He shows us a better way, and it's the way of seeking him first. His care, his heart, his much more first. You can hear it in verse 31 when he says this, Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. See, Jesus lists here some things that people tend to be anxious about, these questions that run through our minds when we dwell in this dark place of anxiousness. And he's talking about people that don't know God. And that's why he uses the word Gentiles. Because at that time, the word Gentiles for them meant people who weren't in any kind of relationship with God. They didn't know him. They didn't trust him. And here's the thing. People who are not in a trusting relationship with God are the kinds of people who have a list like that of all these things. And maybe you know that list all too well because you have one too. I call it an all-these-things list, all these things you're anxious about. I've certainly had those lists before. And when we have that list, it's a clear indication that we need to let Jesus cleanse our eyes and remind us of our much more caring Heavenly Father. See, we're anxious about all these things, but Jesus says our Heavenly Father has much more than all these things. See, listen to what he says in verse 32. He says, your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So all those things on your list, your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then he says in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what does he say? All these things shall be added to you. Who knew? Who knew? Jesus knew, and he wants us to know. That's the way to live in the kingdom. Not wrestling in the darkness of anxiousness, but resting in his much more care and seeking him first. So will we say yes? Will we say yes to seeking God first living? That is certainly another list, another yes to add to your list. Not the all these things list, your yes list, right? You know, seeking God first which allows us to live freely and fully in his much more care, it is a lifelong succession of yeses. Because in this world, everything else is going to be asking for your yes, please. And what we need to understand is that he's not just asking for our yes. It gets even greater than that, ladies. He's asking for our yes first, right? That we would be so convinced of his much more care, Of his lordship in our life, of his saving power, that he would be our first choice. So, anxiousness doesn't even have an opportunity in that. You know, I was just getting ready to enter the ninth grade when I first really remember considering saying yes to seeking Jesus first. When this happened, I I was a young girl, I was probably about you know, 15 or so. I didn't really have a clue about much of anything. Thought I did, but I didn't. And and I was on my first ever youth group trip with my church. And we had gone to Lexington, Kentucky for this big youth conference and and this man named Wayne Smith had stood in front of us all that night talking about how we should be seeking God first in our life it was this crowded high school gym it was hot all of that but I remember those words just piercing my heart it was the first time I ever remembered that the word of God really pierced my heart and I had this little notebook I had strawberries all over it and I was just writing as fast as I could right And he just kept talking about it over and over again. Seek ye first the the kingdom of God. That's what you're supposed to do as a Christian. And at the end of the service, just like when I was eight years old that I told you about last night, he gave an invitation. And I walked forward, not to receive Jesus. I had already done that. But I walked forward to say, I'm going to commit to seeking God first in my life. Now, that was a really lofty goal for, you know, a young girl. I was just on the edge of launching into adult life and all its choices and pitfalls and all that. And, and really the problem was I knew about this much of the character of God's heart toward me. So I can surely tell you over the last 41 years... I haven't always said yes to Jesus by any means. And I definitely haven't always said yes first. It's it's been a journey and one that I'm still on. It started when I was eight years old, when I knew very little at all. But I did say yes, I want to be born again and became a Christian. And then it started to continue at 15 when I got that awareness that this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to seek God first. But it's been a continual succession of cleansing my eyes over and over again with God's word that I would see why it's best to say yes to God first. It's not just something I'm supposed to do, but it's best for me to do that because my Father's heart is so big for me, so big that it seems too good to be true. But it is true. Seeking God first is a day-by-day yes a journey I'm still on. I've had to get to know God. And I've had to let him get to know me. See, a lot of us think, oh, I need to get to know God. You know what? You've got to also let him get to know you. You've got to take down the guards. You've got to take down where your heart has been so hurt. And let him get to know you. So we learn and we grow. We grow in our desire to seek him first. I can tell you now, 41 years later, from that first desire at 15, the times that I say, no, let me seek this first, are much fewer and further between than the times that I say, Yes, Jesus, let me seek you first. I seek your care. I seek your heart. I seek your ways, your beauty, your provision. The more I've grown in relationship with God, I've come to see that life is more than all these things, and I've come to see that my heavenly Father's care for me is much more than all these things. And I believe, ladies, as the Lord cleanses our eyes and encourages us to say yes, it's a knowing that has to start at the top of our head, really, right? Starts and has to be in our mind. It has to be in our eyes and how we view this world. It's, it's got to come out of our mouth. It's got to be felt in our hearts. It's got to show up in what we do with our hands. Because we want to walk in this yes and be identified in this yes every day of our lives. Because, ladies, I want to be a yes woman. A yes, Lord, I will seek you first, woman. And this morning, the Lord has shown us that life is more. All these things that we're so anxious about, they're not going to give us the more that that we're longing for. And he's shown us the heart of our Heavenly Father, his much more heart, and how important it is to seek him first. Not only will all these things be added to you, but how much more will be as well. How many of us know that the wrong things in this life often get our yes, please? They do. They do. Because we don't have the wisdom to discern what true life is. And our broken hearts become anxious, thinking we're not going to get the more that I think I need. And we all know what it feels like to be in those places. So we cry out to the Lord this morning. Lord, give us clear eyes to see. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to enter into a time of worship. Because we want to seek the Lord in this time as we sing about his kingdom to give us clear eyes to see about what life is, where more comes from, that it truly comes from his much more heart. And we've got to decide, ladies, in this moment, are we going to say yes to seeking him first? Are we going to say yes to his much more care? Are we going to keep turning our eyes away to other things? Saying yes, giving our nod to other things. We don't want to be that type of person. We've got to let that start at the top of our head and go through all of our whole being to where we say yes to what he's asking us to seek him first.